it all began with the sheep herders fighting. And Abraham was very upset by this discord in his family. And so he went to his nephew Lot and said, look, we have too many sheep, we need to separate. And so Abraham said, look, if you choose to go to the right, I'll go to the left, and if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Lot immediately had an opportunity to say, Father Abraham, all that I have is yours. I have to stay with you. But he didn't say that. I'm sure he considered his wife not one of my favorite people. That's really not fair, is it? But he had children, he had a wife. They had certain expectations. And so he looked over the land. And down in the valley was the beautiful green grass. Down in the valley, it looked like Egypt. And he chose the best for himself. Now, all of this land had been promised to Abraham. By title right, it belonged to him. But unselfishly, he gave the best to Lot. And so Lot went down to Sodom, and he pitched a tent outside of Sodom, and began to let his cattle and his sheep, his donkeys and his camels feed on the verdant vegetation that was so plentiful. Soon, however, he found a place among the Sodomites. And he was offered a house. And so he bought it. So now Father Abraham is in a tent. Father Abraham is still on a pilgrimage. But Lot is no longer on pilgrimage. Lot is now settled in his own house. And then we find Lot becomes very well respected in the city. And now he has a place of honor in the city gate with the city elders. He has found a place of authority, importance. He's now recognized. And his two beautiful daughters, some men are very interested, some very wealthy men. And so they make arrangements for the daughters to be married to the sodomites. You understand that when you move in with sodomites, you begin to be like they are. Your family integrates with the sodomites. You begin to do what they do. You begin to go to the same entertainment they're going to. 
you begin to find recreation among the sodomites. Who is it that you're talking with during the course of the day's business? Sodomites. Well, today we think of the sodomites as a, as a perverse homosexual people. But when the Lord looked at Sodom, it was not really the homosexuality that, that concerned him. That was an issue. But you see, homosexuality is just a sign of God's judgment. That's what Paul tells us. That God begins to give people over to unclean sexuality, to the lust of their heart. That's a judgment because of other sins that are in their heart. So was Lot in danger of becoming a homosexual? Of course not. He was marrying his daughters to men who were not homosexual. So everyone in Sodom was not a homosexual. They had a homosexual community. It was a very forthright and bold one. Because the city was being given over to the lust of the flesh. But what were the sins that really concerned God about Sodom? Well, it doesn't tell us in Genesis, the 19th chapter. But there's another place in Scripture where it defines very carefully what the problem was. It's found in the book of Ezekiel, the 16th chapter. Let me read it for you. Ezekiel, the 16th chapter, we'll begin with verse 48. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, your sister Sodom and her daughters never did what you and your daughters have done. Now this was the sin of your sisters, of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant. So the great sin that touched God's heart, that caused him pain and grief, was the sin of arrogance. The sin of pride. The sin of self-sufficiency. This is the sin that Lot walked right into. He now sits arrogantly at the gate of Sodom. While Father Abraham is in a tent. He had no business in Sodom. The Lord didn't send him to Sodom. And yet the scriptures tell us that Lot was a righteous man who was grieved by what he saw in Sodom. What was he doing in Sodom? I would guess he was in Sodom because his wife wanted to be in Sodom. I think he was there because his wife missed the excitement of Egypt. Abraham took them to Egypt against the Lord's will. And Abraham exposed Lot's family to the wickedness of Egypt. Oh, the wickedness of of this sin that Abraham committed. And he paid a heavy price for it. But now Lot's wife 
She wants to stay in Egypt. But because of the sin, Pharaoh's kicked them out. And she's been lusting after that city ever since. And now she finally has her Sodom. Overfed. Oh, gluttony. Gluttony is the second sin God is concerned with, with regard to Sodom. It raises the question about, have you been fasting before God? With joy, have you been fasting? John Wesley would not allow a man to be a pastor who did not fast at least one day a week. That was his first question. Do you fast one day a week? If you, if you said no, you were not eligible to be a pastor with John Wesley. He wanted men who would fast. Gluttony is the second sin of Sodom, for which God gave them over to the lust of their flesh. Unconcerned, unconcerned. No longer were their hearts moved by tragedy. No longer were their hearts moved by suffering. No longer were they willing to get into action to rescue someone. Who was it that came with his armed servants to rescue Lot. It was Father Abraham who should have said, hey, you chose it, you made your bed, you lie in it. But God would have judged him for that even as he judged the Sodomites. God was offended by their casualness, by their lack of concern. They did not help the poor and the needy. No compassion. No reaching out. No self-sacrifice. This is for me and mine. I give nothing to you. It's so astonishing, our neighbor... They're an elderly couple. They're very much unto themselves. They never give anything to anybody. They, they have a great deal of money. They're very wealthy people. But they never throw anything away. I mean, they, they hang on to every little bit they have. And it's been astonishing over now the several years that we've been their neighbor that the Lord will say to us, take them a dozen farm eggs. And so we'll take a dozen eggs and knock on their door and say, we stopped by the farm today and picked up some some free-range eggs. We thought you might like them with your bacon in the morning. I have no idea if they have bacon or not you see the utter shock on their face. Last time I did it, you know what they said? 
oh, not again. <laughs> They're embarrassed to the depths of their soul because they give nothing to anybody. And now they have these neighbors that just keep giving to them as though they're poor people. And so Jan on Tuesday took him over that calf of fresh Dunkin' Donuts coffee, the dozen Dunkin' Donuts. They had friends from out of town, a, a big fruit salad. She came later to the door and knocked and brought me back everything. She had this look on her face. One, let me run. And on, on the tray was half a loaf of nut bread. You know, that nut bread is worth a million dollars to us. It is the first sign that the dam is breaking. She said, my friends were very impressed and they ate all the donuts, so we had this nut bread left over. That's God. That's Holy Spirit. Concerned. Concerned. You know who some of the most poor and needy people are that I've ever met? Rich people. Poor. Dirt poor. Tight-fisted. Angry. Closed. Shut down. Lonely. And you begin to reach out and give to them. They don't know what to do. They say, is there something wrong with me? Do I look poor to you? No, I just wanted to say we love you. We're glad you're our neighbors. And they melt. Who have you given to lately? Don't give out of your wealth. Give out of your poverty. Give out of your walk. Give out of the gifts that God gives to you. Give out of a generous heart, knowing that tomorrow you'll have more supply. Every day we go to the Lord and we say, give us this day our daily bread. I can afford to share my daily bread. I have a new supply coming tomorrow. The people of Sodom had nothing coming tomorrow. They were fat and overfed. They were gluttons. They were arrogant. They were unconcerned. They were haughty. Haughty. Meaning, they put on a show to impress others. They acted like they were somebody. They turned their nose up if you weren't in their class. Haughty. And the last item is they did detestable things before me. The last item on God's concern list is their unclean sexual practices. 
Therefore, I did away with them. Therefore, I did away with them. God is going to do away with America. God's judgment has now come upon America. Our nation is going to be torn apart. People are going to wander in the streets, dirty, hungry, no place to go, wondering how to survive. People who don't have a daily supply of bread. People who've trusted in their their wonderful city of Sodom. Now what's most terrifying to me is that as I began to pray for my wife this morning, in the early hours of the morning, as I was crying out to the Lord, just this seeping recognition came into my soul that I was far too comfortable in Sodom. I live in Sodom. I want to live with Father Abraham. I want every part of my life to be streamlined with tent living. I don't want a city address in Sodom. But I've become quite comfortable in Sodom and thought that it was my right. I'm an American. And so I can go to the garage, get my car repaired. I can go to the gas station and buy the gas. I can go to the grocery store and take care of what I need. I can go and do what I need to do. I have a very comfortable lifestyle. I dare say that every one of you in this room have a very comfortable lifestyle compared to most who live in the world. Many people survive on a dollar a day. Many people have as their diet only rice with a little bit of chicken or a little bit of meat of some kind, fish, once a week. The rest, the rest of the week they just eat rice. It was shocking to me to discover that there are probably 50 different kinds of rice. I thought there was just white and brown. I discovered there's red rice. There's all kinds of rice, more than 50 varieties of rice. And many people in the world eat just rice with a fish when they can catch it, or a little bit of chicken. Most people in the world can't afford beef. It's too expensive. They can't afford to feed the cow the corn that it would take They eat the corn instead, if they can get it. Well, I can't move out of America. But I can certainly give up my place of importance in America. I can give up all of my haughtiness and arrogance, my unconcern. I can become a servant among all of God's children. I don't have to be arrogant. 
I can be humble of heart. These are gifts that come from the hand of God. Arrogance is a sin. It is the top sin on God's list. To be consumed by our food is the second sin on God's list. We've become so comfortable in our sin in Sodom that we seldom will sacrifice the time to really pray. Frankly, the Lord began to convict me and said to me, you've seen Jan slowly dropping and you've prayed on occasions. But why haven't you taken up the battle for her life? Why have you let it get to this place? Why haven't you gone to war? I had to say, Lord, because I was too comfortable. I feel too beat up. I feel like the war's been too hard. And the Lord's saying to me, give up all self-ease in Sodom. Satan is withstanding the National Prayer Chapel on every front. Every day the radio broadcast goes forth, Satan withstands it. There should be a flood of people in this church from that radio broadcast. But there's not. Some of you financially have been withstood by the devil. Because as soon as you said, all of the profit that comes in, I'm going to build the Lord's kingdom with. Oh, now you've got a target on your back. All of you who have said, I'm going to give my time and energy to advance the kingdom of God. Oh, now you've got a target on your back. And Satan is now determined to withstand you, to cause you financially to not be able to stand and do what God has told you to do. I know these things. I also know what it means to go to war, to fast and to pray, and to stand by faith. I know a brother is caught in sin. It's very easy for me to just let him be in that sin. Why should I risk confronting him or her and having another person flee from the National Prayer Chapel? Haven't enough already fled because I confronted them with their sin? I can name the names. And the Lord's saying, stop it. Don't be comfortable in Sodom. We're not here to build a church. That's the Lord's work. We're here to speak with one another in such a manner that we encourage one another in the good works of the Lord, in works of righteousness. 
We're here to speak faithfully with our families, with those we associate with in Sodom, and try without getting the filth of Sodom on our hands to pull them out of the fire, like a brand out of the fire. Not wanting to even touch the clothes of the filthiness, but to save them out of that darkness and bring them into the light of the gospel. So I've begun this week doing what the Lord told me to do. I've begun speaking very forthrightly to each as the Lord gives me something specific to say in way of encouragement and rebuke. Are you sure you want to continue this behavior? Are you sure you want to continue? There's another way you can walk. You can walk in Jesus. Come and walk with me in Jesus. I'm going to continue that. Don't be surprised if I knock on your door. And you must do the same. Speaking in love, with kindness and mercy, with no judgment, with no arrogance, with no haughtiness, but humble-hearted brokenness, ministering one to another in the name of Jesus to encourage us in the journey Do you ever get tired in this journey? Do you ever feel withstood by the devil in this journey? Of course. We need one another to speak that encouraging word, not condemnation, not accusation. Then we're like the Sodomites. (laughs) But humbly, lovingly, kindly, words of knowledge, words in the spirit, calling, come out of the darkness. How long are you going to walk in that darkness? Come out of it. Walk in obedience to Jesus. I'm living in Sodom, and God is going to destroy this nation because it's Babylon. America is Babylon. And God is pronouncing judgment over it. And tonight we can still go to the stores of Sodom and buy whatever we'd like. Soon those stores will be closing. I walked through Potomac Mills Mall today going to the GNC store. It was striking. Most of the kiosks are closed. They went bankrupt. an owner of a jewelry store stood at the front of her store and I listened to her. She spoke with another woman and she said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Where are the people? We should have a flow of people. Where are all the people? I'm not making enough sales to keep my store open. And then I was beyond where my big ears could listen. People are very concerned. People are being crushed. I talked with the dear family that owned the farm out in Catlett where some of us get raw milk. Martha came to talk with me. She said, Pastor, would you pray for us? I'm very concerned. I said, what's happening? She said, the price of milk is very low. 
the man who has the contract for buying our milk is not buying as much and he may cancel the whole contract. And he's telling me that we should send our cattle to the butcher shop. That we have too much milk in America. I did some research. I found that's exactly what's happening. Do you know why? As hard times come, people aren't buying as many pizzas. Pizzas use milk. Breads, they're not buying breads. And as people are cutting back, milk is not being purchased. And milk sales are way down. People are not buying milk to drink. Milk is a luxury for most. They're bypassing it. Farms that went organic, they're hitting the wall. Because as the prices drop, people can't afford the high cost of their organic food. And so they're going bankrupt. Martha said, I'm asking the Lord if we can extend the raw milk. That's where he's blessing us. I said, that's where I'll agree with you in prayer. That God will bless you. This is a, an Amish lady married to a Mennonite man. They're just wonderful country people. It takes a man who's, well, let me put it this way. Jan's dad was a farmer. He raised livestock. He used to always say to me, a man is half cow if he's a man. I don't know if you understand what that means. That means a man is a man when he's always making a mess. When he's just pushing his way through. And as he was a Christian, he said, I'm having to ask Jesus to clean up a lot of my mess. You know, I recognize today, we weren't called to be cows. We were called to be the children of God. And so I have to just turn this to you now and say, Have you been comfortable like I've been in Sodom? And will you repent with me over that issue? It's felt to me like, okay, I trust you, Jesus. I can let up on the warfare. I can just trust you. Everything's going to be okay. You know what I've discovered? God usually doesn't get serious with me until I get real serious with him. When it comes life and death and I get serious with God, then God gets serious with me. And I'll be real honest, I usually don't pray unless I have to. And you probably don't pray unless you have to. There's nothing like need to move us to prayer. 
Well, that's not a charge of accusation. That's just how it is. What I'm asking God is, would you show us our need? Would you make plain to us our condition? Would you make plain the ugliness of Sodom? And I have to confess to you, in the last month, Sodom has become absolutely ugly to me. And for now, some time, the darkness has been so heavy, I've been crying out, Lord, pierce the darkness with your light. I can't stand another day in this darkness. I've got to see the light. And Jesus is the light. Did you know in John 14, he says, I'll come and show myself to you. I'll manifest myself to you. I want the manifest presence of Jesus in this church and in my life. So will you repent of your comfort in Sodom and make a vow that you'll be like Abraham on pilgrimage, on journey. That you won't be willing to settle in the gates of Sodom and have them recognize you and think highly of you. What do I mean? I mean, don't be satisfied to have your boss at work give you pats on the back for what you do. Don't be satisfied with that. Be satisfied with commendations from Jesus. You don't work for that boss. You work for Jesus. Don't be satisfied to have your family love you. Let Jesus love you. Don't withhold your love and your adoration and your obedience from Jesus because you want to keep your wife happy or your husband happy or your children happy. Our first line of responsibility is to Jesus Christ. I love Jan with all my heart. There's nothing I wouldn't do for her. I'll fast and I'll pray. I'll fight for her life. I'll do all of that. But she's not first in my life. Jesus Christ is first in my life. And Jan would do anything for me. I'm not first in her life either. We have a covenant between us that Jesus is first in our lives. I have this strange aversion to pain. But usually it's in the pain I grow. It's in the comfort where I'm lulled to sleep. I pray tonight that if you find yourself comfortable in Sodom, you'll repent before it's destroyed. The Lord said, come out of her, my people. Touch no unclean thing. Let's pray. Lord, I confess I have been too comfortable in Sodom. 
I've enjoyed this American lifestyle. And that has hindered my intensity of prayer. It has waylaid me from the work of breaking down the gates of hell that withstand this church. Lord, I repent of that. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, I will war against this until the victory comes, until Satan can no longer withstand the healing of my precious wife, cannot withstand the finances of this church, cannot withstand the healing power of your Holy Spirit flowing amongst us until the devil cannot withstand the outreach of the gospel. Lord, I thank you for each person who's here. I thank you for the conviction of their heart. And I pray now you'll cause them to repent of their love for Sodom and their comfortableness in this wicked place. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord Lot's wife turned back because her heart was in Sodom. And you turned her into a pillar of salt. Lord, I'm asking now, would not one person in this house turn and look back with longing at the world? Lord, I renounce the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I will not look back. I am heaven bound. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen.